Welcome to Headed Someplace, a show where strong, inspiring, enduring women share their stories with us. I'm Kara, and today my guest is author Karen Hill. Karen and I are actually related, and I've always known of Karen, knew we were cousins, but never really knew how. So I'm going to let you all in on the beginning of our conversation where I confess that I don't know how we're related. But what's funny is Karen's daughter, who is also my cousin, naturally, her name is Caitlin. I was texting her before I got on the phone with her mom, Karen, to try to figure out how we were related, and none of us really knew. So Karen sets it all straight for us. This is actually my first conversation ever with her, which is nuts because we're related, but hopefully this is the first of many because I did not get near enough time with her. It truly was an honor, and I'm not just saying that. It truly was an honor to spend time with her in this hour, and I know you all are going to leave this conversation feeling the same. You guys, I want you all to listen to her sweet voice and guess her age, and then be prepared to be wrong. She'll reveal that too, and you'll probably be as shocked as I was. And I have a special surprise guest that no one, not even Karen, knows about. Her daughter knows about it, and I know about it, but it's a really good chance that y'all know who this person is. And so at the very end of this show, you'll get to hear from a very special, special guest. So this episode is full of fun and surprises and wisdom. So let's jump in. Hi, Kara. Hi, Karen. So glad to meet you. I know. I don't know the last time that I talked to you or saw you. Yeah, you were a baby. (laughs) Probably don't remember. I was thinking, I was texting Caitlin. I was like, how are we related again? Because I don't know how we're cousins. You don't know, really? No, I really don't. And she was like, I think, Uh, anyway, none of us really know. (laughs) Okay, well, let me me explain it. Okay. So the easy way to think of it is that my grandfather and your great-grandmother were siblings. Okay. Got it. Well, I'm so glad we're connecting all these years later. Well, I'm so glad to get to meet you and know. know you a little bit. You know, we we just adore your brother, Dan. You know, when they lived here, we just got so close to them. And, you know, they were some of the ones that were like, you need to interview Karen. And then, of course, Caitlin oh. was like, my mom would be great to interview. Oh, this goodness. was a long time ago. Yeah, I've got them fooled, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I mean, what I always thought was so cool is whenever they were, my brother and sister-in-law were living in San Antonio, that was whenever my mom passed away. And they really felt like you stepped in in a role where she would have been grandmother and she never got, she only got to meet one of her grandkids. And so I've always loved you for that. Just knowing that, you know, my brother was feeling like a little bit of that void got to be filled by you. So thank you for doing that. Oh, that's such an honor to hear that. I mean, God just blessed us. Well, you're sweet. He blessed them too, for sure. So Karen, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in life to start out the show. Well, I'm Karen Hill, and I'm a writer. I'm an editor. I work for a church. I am executive editor and executive assistant to Max Lucado, who some of your listeners may know. Um, is a preacher and pretty well-known author. Yeah. So I've been doing that for about 27 years, I guess. I was going to ask that how long. (laughs) That's so crazy. I know. It it has flown by for sure. Before that, I really had not intended to ever sit behind a desk and do what I'm doing. I um, 
got a degree in journalism and had I was very always very interested in politics. And so my master plan was to be a White House correspondent for a few years. Uh, cool. Then have a you know, <laughs> wonderful family with lots of kids. And then at some point write the great American novel. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I like you know, it. I like those it, goals. Yeah. Isn't that great? Well, we can X those off the list. because that. <laughs> That wasn't how it happened. Yeah. The only thing that ever happened out of that list is that I, I did get married and have a sweet family. Yeah. So that was the most important thing. So how many kids do you have? I have three. I have okay. two daughters and a son. Okay. So yeah, that's the most important thing. So cool. God has a way of sort of redirecting us when we're evidently not going down the path that's best for his plan. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> everything works out great. And I've been able to, I haven't written a great American novel yet. And I don't really see that on the horizon. <laughs> hey, you never know. You still got time. Yeah. Well, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but I have written a bunch of children's books. I love children's literature. And um, how many, how many books have you written? I've written about 30 how books a lot of those are out of print but uh so but cool. I I love I just love children's literature I just I I still have some of my books from childhood because I yeah. just I just love it but I'm now I'm working on some adult projects of my own and we'll see um we'll see what happens with that but that's that's kind of me. That's so cool. And I I know that you started a blog. I read your most recent post and I wouldn't have like ratted you out, but you kind of ratted yourself out and said that you, <laughs> when you said you've lived, you've lived seven decades or something like that. Yeah. And I thought, no way. Yeah. How old are you? Do you mind I'm, saying? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, you know, that's a fact of life that can't be altered. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no. And, and really, I mean, I consider it a blessing. I'm 71. I'll be 72 in March, but I consider it a blessing to have lived this long and I'm still, you know, pretty healthy and you are active. like I I mean you just don't even look or sound like you could be 70 oh. in your 70s it's crazy to me I know I have kind of a baby voice I love I, your voice I sound like I'm about 12 but <laughs> well I wanted people to know because it's like when they listen to a podcast they have no frame of reference for right. what phase of life you're in and I'm like hey listen up this woman's got some wisdom <laughs> well I don't know about that but no, I consider it a blessing because mm. um you probably know I I had cancer yes. 13 years ago yeah. and it was, you know, it, so advanced that I had to have surgery and chemo and all that good stuff. And so, you know, I just really prayed that God would extend my life and not only extend my life, but give me a purpose and, and use me. So I, I feel not only blessed to be alive, but honored to still be vigorous and and right. useful to the Lord. So yes, I love that. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are. I know that. So, okay. So we're going to get more into all of that because I want to hear more about that. But before we get too far in, the first question I ask each guest is to tell us a random fact about you that not a lot of people know. Well, I could tell you something from childhood and something from just not too long ago. Let's hear it. Okay. My childhood random fact is that I had lunch with John Steinbeck when I was about seven years old. 
Which is unreal. I read that on I your know. blog. Which tell people, <laughs> tell people he was a Nobel Prize winner, right? Yeah, and I, then your audience probably they probably only know who he is, but he's well, a, I honestly he's a had great to American Google. author. Yeah. I, know, I had to Google him, and I was like, oh, of mice and men. <laughs> I know the books, but I didn't know his name. Right. Well, his wife was a close friend of my mother's wow. from childhood, and my father had a meeting in New York City, and he took all of us with him for his business meeting. He was going to be up there a while, and my mother wanted to see her friend, and so we went to lunch with with him at his house, Wow! and kudos to my mother. She was such a wise woman, such a wonderful mother, but she was really smart because she didn't she didn't emphasize the fact that he was famous and all that stuff. Yeah. She impressed on us that we were going to see her dear, dear friend. And that was the big deal yeah. of the day. Oh. And so and I've thought about that many times, how smart that was, you know, because <laughs> she prevented us kids from acting weird. Yeah, exactly. We- <laughs> <laughs> but now how cool is that, that you're, I mean, you're a writer now, you're an author now yourself and like you've loved writing, loved reading. And that's a pretty uh, cool little random fact you get to have. It Yes. And then my adult random fact is that I was a bartender on TV one time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You got to tell us how that happened and what TV show. Caitlin told me to tell you that. So yeah, she's good. Caitlin, Caitlin is <laughs> her daughter. daughter. Yes. <laughs> she's good. Okay, how well, did that happen? Uh, my son was executive producer of a late night TV show called Watch What Happens Live. Mm-hmm. And on that show, it's a little bit edgy for me, I'll have to admit. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot of their language and a lot of what happens there. But I, I actually do kind of enjoy it. But at any rate, they have a host and a guest, and then they have this bar, and they have a guest bartender every night. And I was visiting my son in New York on Mother's Day weekend, and he had the idea to stick me behind the bar. (laughs) And so (laughs) I said, I don't think I can be a bartender because I might actually lose my job. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Working kind of for a church yeah. pastor. I don't know about that. But anyway, yeah. the, they worked it out so that there were several moms of uh, staff members in town that weekend. So they put three or four of us behind the bar and then they took away all the liquor and put teacups up there. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that is You're so like funny. The little old lady bartender. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that your son threw you in there. I know. I can't believe I said yes to that. <laughs> Way to go. You're a good mom. Ooh, I don't know. It's a good story. I yeah, guess. it is a good story. Okay, so as I was thinking about parts of your story before this call, I thought what comes to mind is in Scripture when it talks about Jesus, that he was a man acquainted with grief. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is kind of you, too. You've had a lot of, I mean, mm-hmm. not only cancer yourself, but then Mom, dad, brother, sister. I don't know if they, I don't know what they all um, ended up dying from, but. Did your dad, was it your dad that passed away first? He did. He passed away, I think, really young. Now that I'm 71, it sounds young to me. Yeah. He was just 69. Okay. And wow. he had uh, chronic heart disease. And okay. it's kind of a tough story. We knew that his life was 
coming to an end, but he, we did not know really how much time he had. And how old were you? Let's see. I was, um, I guess I was about 40. Okay. Yeah. And at this point, your mom and at this point, everyone's still living. Yes. Everyone. He was the, the first one of my immediate family to pass away. Okay. And, um, my parents lived on a farm at that time. Mm-hmm. And the week that he died, my mother's best friend's son passed away. And my my father told my mother, you have to go and be with her. And my mother was, was reluctant because she knew daddy was not Doing in good that. health. Mm-hmm. And she hated to leave him. But he really insisted. So my sister and I said, well, we'll, you know, we'll take turns staying with him. So my sister spent the first night with daddy out at the farm and that went well. And then the next night was my turn. And it was so strange because I felt like the Lord prepared me for what was about to happen. Mm. I had a, I just had this overwhelming sense that he was about to pass. And all the way driving out there, I just kept stopping and praying. And it just was different behavior for me instead mm-hmm. of just rushing out there. Mm-hmm. And even when I got there, after I'd been with him for a little while, I um, I walked down to the stables. And this is, is going to sound so strange, but I had a big talk with Daddy's horse. I love it. <laughs> and I, and I, I talked to his horse about how Daddy was going to heaven and, you know, that I would take care of her and she would be my, you know, it was just kind of, now that I think of it, it sounds kind of silly, but I don't know. I guess it was sort of a way to say out loud where nobody else could hear it. Right. That I I knew what was about to happen. And um, daddy and I had the sweetest visit. He wanted me to drive him out to count the cows and any, any farm people know that you got to count your cows. (laughs) and. He loved to do that. So yeah. we went out, we counted the cows and we came back and, and when we got to the house, he, he was a, quite a gentleman. And so he wanted to open the door for me and he mm. kind of stumbled backwards. And I, I thought, oh, that's, it kind of alarmed me a little bit, but then we went in and we had dinner and, um, together and, this is the part that just oh, just gets me to think about. I really haven't told this story mm-hmm. out loud to anyone before, but mm-hmm. um, he said our prayer at dinner, and his his whole prayer was about my mother mm-hmm. and her protection and her safety and what she was doing right then, you know, to encourage her her good friend and all that. It was just the sweetest mm-hmm. thing. So we had the evening, and he he went to get ready for bed, and he he came back to the living room and he said, you know, the weirdest thing happened. I just fell backwards on my bed and I didn't think much about it because I'd seen him stumble earlier and I just, I I don't know. I just didn't think much about it, Hmm. but we said our good nights. And the next morning I got up early. He had to take a lot of medicine. So I got all his medicine and I walked into the room and I just stood at the door because I could tell that Hmm. he he had gone wow. in the night and um wow. it was just a very surreal moment even though i could see that he had passed i got down beside him i knelt on the floor and i put my head on his chest mm. 
and I just, you know, kind of talked to him a little bit, and it was just a sweet, I mean, it was hard, but it was sweet, if that makes sense. Yeah, that you got to be there, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I had to call my mother. Mm. Ugh, Karen. (laughs) That was so hard. I'm sure. So hard, but uh, a few days later, my mother and I, had a minute to ourselves and she was so precious. There was nothing I could, we couldn't talk about. And I said to her, I'm so afraid that at some point you're going to resent the fact that I was here and you weren't Hmm. that you would have wanted. I know you would have wanted to be with him. And she just put all of that to rest so sweetly and tenderly and just affirmed me in the sweetest ways Hmm. and said, you are the one God needed to be here yeah. and other sweet things. I just, you know, just, yeah. it was just wonderful yeah. really. And so let's see, that was, that was in 1990. Okay. And then in 1997, so seven years later, my sister passed away rather suddenly and unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. She was 46 Oh, wow. That is so young. Oh, I know. She was just a baby. Were you guys really close? We were. She was, the the birth order is brother, me, sister Kathy, and then sister Carol. Okay. And so this was Kathy. And I always say she was the pretty, she was the pretty sister. No. No offense, Carol, if you're listening. But she, she really was, she was a very beautiful girl and, but she, she had epilepsy and she got up and had a grand mal seizure, went Mm. into a coma. And two days later, the doctor said that she was brain dead. And two more days after that, um, she was taken off life support for anybody who has a loss like that, where you it's sudden and mm-hmm. traumatic and you have no way to say farewell. Mm. It's, it's very difficult. Yeah. It adds a layer to the loss because even when you lose someone um, and maybe it's a lingering passage or mm-hmm. at least you're able to say everything, at mm-hmm. least you're able to express your love one last time. That's and right. yeah. that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. And to not be able to do that is, it's just, it's just a hard thing. Yeah. It's just a hard thing to, to get past. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And then, so that was in October. And then at Thanksgiving, we got a call from my sister-in-law telling us that my brother had terminal cancer, terminal lung cancer. It was such a shock. Yeah. And he passed away the following June. So about eight months between those two enormous losses. And, um, of course, we did have time to say goodbye to him, but it was, you know, it was very difficult. It was just so sad. Mm-hmm. When it was time to say goodbye, I had the hardest time leaving. Mm. Yeah. And it was, I felt like I was just having to tear myself away. And I would, um, I would say goodbye and I would go to the door and I would go back. Yeah. And I would say goodbye and I would 
make it to the sidewalk and I would go back. Yeah. Oh, uh, I just, you know, I, and I remember I sat on the floor and I just patted his foot. You know, I just, I guess it's hard to release that physical connection. Yeah. And, and you know this because yeah. you've had a huge loss mm-hmm. in your own life. And I don't know if, if you felt some of the thing, same things, mm-hmm. but I just found it hard to tear myself away. Oh, yeah. Just, I didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, I feel like everybody that was in the room whenever my mom passed away, just, mm-hmm. I mean, we just stayed there for forever, yeah. you know, yeah. and then finally, at one point, I was ready just because I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I got it. I don't know what it was. I don't know what kicked in. Something kicked in. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. we got to, we got to go. We got to, you know, she, we're not bringing her back, you know, but yeah. it was, I know for especially even my brothers too. Nobody wanted to leave. And then now looking back, because I remember vividly the decision to like walk out of the room and go. And um, and now I'll even look back and be like, oh, why did I go? Because I, yeah. you know, that was my you, you don't really think of it at the time. that That's your last time to touch them. Yes. So it's like, how yes. could I have ever left? But, you know, I guess it just mm-hmm. whatever survival mode or something kicks in. Yeah, it's well. And and I don't know. There's there's something about. I mean, it might even sound hard, but life is for the living. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I guess I've landed on, on all of that because I've kind of had a touch of survivor's guilt at time, you know, and that I've gotten to, to know and love my sister's grandchildren. She Mm -hmm. never saw them. Mm -hmm. She never knew them. And she would have just, oh, Love you know, mm-hmm. just like your mama. Yeah. And um, and sometimes I have to make myself not think this way when I'm with them. But my heart sinks a little bit and I think, oh, Kathy should be here instead of me. Yeah. You know, getting to love on these girls. And but I just make myself put that aside. Yeah. And I think, you know what? I'm here. I, I'm loving them for their mother. That's or right. I'm loving them for their father. And I've said that a time or two to them. And mm, um, I don't say it all the time because it just stirs up the sad yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. But um, but I believe that. And, and my mother did, too. She um, she had this expression. She would say, you know what? You can either will or wallow. Hmm. And she said, yeah, <laughs> because. You know, she said, I, I could go and just be sad in front of people all the time and just cry about my sadness and, and just dump it all over everybody. Right. All the time. right. Or I can see that the Lord has blessings for me now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here and there are blessings that he wants me to enjoy and that's appreciate. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of my my view about that. I will never forget all of them or stop wishing they were here. Right. But the situation is what it is. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And like the church where I work is across the highway from the cemetery where they are all laid to rest. And when daddy died, my, my mother bought plots for everybody. She said, I don't Everybody's <laughs> going there. <laughs> and so, um, I don't go there all the time. Yeah. I, I go 
occasionally, but I, but that's not where they are to me. Right. But sometimes I go and, you know, they're like, they're in birth order. Mm-hmm. So there's mama and daddy, and mm-hmm. then there's my brother, and then there's an empty spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's my sister. Oh, that's kind of, I bet that's kind of eerie. <laughs> You know, I just think it's kind of funny. It I is just, funny. Well, there's my spot. You know, and, <laughs> I'm going to be but, one day in my body, at least. Yeah, but really my spot's in heaven. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's right. yeah. So it's not, it's not morbid to me at all. Yeah. And, and I'd rather focus on the life that's around me because I know that they are all safe where they are. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, I just read a book called Swallowed Up, and I'm hoping to get the author on this podcast too, but it's called Swallowed Up, the story of how my brother died and I didn't. And it's about, um, it's kind of her grief story, but she's talking about how there is still life to be had here, you know, and, and the abundant life. Yes, it's in heaven with her brother one day, but there also are glimpses here and there's still that for us here. And so I, I love that. And it doesn't negate all of the horror, you know, the horror of losing someone or undermine that immense loss, but just in the face of it, that there's still, you know, eventually when you get through the depression and all of that, that there is, there is life even to be had this side of heaven, which is, which is so hopeful. Absolutely. Our God is a God of hope. Mm -hmm. And when, (laughs) when I turned 70 last year or year before last I guess um (laughs) I was looking for I was looking through scripture for a verse that I could sort of hang my hat on for for this because not to be morbid but I mean let's face it I'm in the last quarter here (laughs) (laughs) the home stretch right the home stretch (laughs) and so um so I found this great verse in Joshua and it says you have grown old but there is still work to do mm. for part of the land I promised has yet to be conquered. And I thought, that's it. I love that it. Is, that's my verse for the last, for the home stretch. I love that you for said the that. home stretch. <laughs> you know, because, it, you know, as long as I have my health holds out, and as long as I have any brain cells left, <laughs> I will, you know, hopefully yeah. find things. And, and, you know, there's that great verse that says, I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah. And it's just true. Yeah. It's there's, you know, there's a lot of yuck in the world right now. Yeah. There always has been, but there's a lot of goodness too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of goodness around. Yeah. Y'all, quick break to let you know. So I said I wanted to secure the author of the Swallowed Up book on my podcast, and I got her. So she'll be on the next episode. And in the meantime, while you're waiting on that one to come out, I want you newbies around here to go back and listen to episode eight. My brother and I tell my mom's story, and she passed away two weeks before my wedding in 2012. We had her funeral a week before I got married. I know some of y'all are like, I can't bring myself to listen. I've heard some of you say that, but guys, I promise you will laugh. My brother is pretty funny and we laugh a lot, but I can't guarantee you won't cry. I really believe you'll be blessed though. And if for no other reason than to humor me, please go listen to that episode, episode eight next, if you haven't already. And it's called Her Children Arise and Call Her Blessed. 
Okay, lastly, will you head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review of this show if you haven't already? Podcast ratings and reviews are a lot like social media algorithms and that the more action we have on the show, the more it will pop up as recommended for other people to listen and hopefully be encouraged by these women's stories and feel less alone as they live life. And I lied, that was not the last thing. I also want you to come over and say hi to me on Instagram. I am at Kara Dawn Z. K-A-R-A-D-A-W-N-Z at Caradon Z. I would love to know that you're listening to the show. It really, you guys have no idea how encouraging it is and how much it keeps me going when I hear um, your stories. And so take a minute to come say hi. Tell me your story. Tell me how this story has encouraged you. And I would love to pass that along to Karen too and encourage her. Okie doke. Back to my conversation with Karen. I did want to talk a little bit about your last blog post it's titled living the questions and Mm. just kind of addressing all the questions that we have you know why this and why my you know why am I still alive my sister isn't getting to experience her grandkids and why is there suffering in this world and you started out thinking you know how you know how could I question God that must mean I lack faith but how it actually questioning it kind of like deepens your relationship with God and it is part of faith. So do you want to talk a little bit about that too and how you've, I mean, cause I know you were during all the, you know, all your loss, you also are probably editing books for Max Licato, writing your own books about God and probably mm-hmm. having your own questions as you're even reading, thinking, do I believe that this stuff is true? You know, how yeah. do you, how do you navigate all that? Sure. I, I, as I said in that post, I think it's entirely natural and part of being human to wonder about these things mm-hmm. and for a lot of it to not make sense. And a lot of it will never make sense to us because there's such a gulf between us and divinity. Right. We don't, we just don't have the capacity to see or understand all of it. So, you know, how it all works together is it's just a mystery and I don't I don't want that to sound like a cop-out but yeah nobody has those answers right I mean there have been a zillion books written uh, about all this you know why bad things happen and we really just don't know yeah and I think if we can just allow the questions to abide where they are Mm -hmm. and not allow them to tear us away from what we know to be true. Um, I have a little card that I carry with me in my wallet and I, I give this to a lot of people, but it's about how to take captive every thought because I think where we get in trouble with the questions is that our minds are just constantly delving into these things and we, we want answers. We want facts and so if we can control our thoughts, then we're, we're in better shape. And so there's, there's this great verse that says, don't be anxious about anything. Mm. You know that verse? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, the last part of that whole section says to think about the things that are true, noble, right, pure, mm-hmm. lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Hmm. And so on the back of this little card, I 
I wrote this, when I'm fearful, unsettled, uncertain, when I'm in pain, when I cannot see beyond this moment, I will take captive every thought. I will think of everything I know to be. And then I list those things, true, pure, excellent, honorable, Mm -hmm. and so forth. And at the end, I wrote, and when I come to the end of my list, Father God, meet me there. Mm. And so when I am, you know, when my thoughts are getting the best of me, and yes. I pull out this little card and I, I like, for example, if I'm waiting on a test that's going to hurt, mm. you know, or mm-hmm. I'm waiting on results from something and I, I get anxious about it. Mm-hmm. Then I just focus on these words and I think, okay, what do I know that is true? And I start making a list in my head. And then I think, what do I know that is lovely? And pretty much I park on grandchildren at that point. <laughs> that <laughs> occupies so me for a while. Yes. But anyway, and, and really it has a very sort of calming, centering effect on me. And so I need a I need a little cheat sheet like that to help get me back on track sometimes. Yes, I love that because I, you know, I've read the scripture, take captive every thought, make your make your make your thoughts obedient to Christ. I'm like, it's not very tangible how to do that. Yeah, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah but that's a great that's a great exercise. Yeah, just make make yourself a little cheat sheet and stick mm-hmm. it in your wallet and right. <laughs> pull it out. Yes. We need all the help we can get. We really do. I've been making a lot more cheat sheets lately. And, you know, it's funny. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but my mom always had, you know, note cards for uh-huh. everything. And now I've started to make them. In fact, on my to-do list right now is like, make a note card of what Sabbath looks like because I'm trying to work on, I'm trying to, well, work on Sabbath. That doesn't really work, but I'm trying to, (laughs) I'm trying to be better at resting um, Mm. and having a Sabbath day where I rest. And I have, I've read a book that kind of gives some pointers and I was like, I need to just have a note card that has little reminders of what this is supposed to look like, (laughs) you know, yeah, Um, how to do this. I, I read a book recently that I just love, and it's it's called Silence in the Age of Noise, and it's written by this Norwegian explorer mm-hmm. who walked across the Antarctic by himself just because he wanted complete silence. Whoa. And was, yeah. And um scooting through here looking for a quote I wanted yeah. to show you. Um, yeah, take your time. He says, humans are social creatures. Being accessible can be a good thing. We are unable to function alone, yet it's important to be able to turn off your phone, sit down, not say anything, shut your eyes, breathe deeply, and attempt to think about something other than what you normally think about. But somewhere in here, he talks about there was some, there was a scientific study on birds in some metropolitan area, and they found that the birds would not mate and reproduce because it was too noisy. Whoa. So even a bird who, you know, they don't get caught up in thoughts like we do, but they need silence too. Right. And if you're trying to create a more of a Sabbath experience, I think just getting quiet is a big part of that. Yes. Yes. It is. And even as I've been jogging a little bit more, I'll start out and I'll put some podcast on or music on. And almost every single time I'm like, wait a minute, this is one chance I could like not have anything in my 
any noise, you know, because with little kids, it's like that. It's lots of noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been loving it. I mean, like, it's my time to, like, talk to God and ask him what he thinks about things that I'm, you know, that are going on in my mind all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, I've got all this in my mind. What do you think about this? Because I need to quit <laughs> thinking about it. And it's interesting. I've even had so many kind of song lyrics come as I am mm-hmm. running. And I'm like, oh, I wonder how much, you know, how much more creative we might be, too, if we weren't always so stimulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I also asked Karen about parenting. We are in opposite phases of life right now. I have two little boys, a two-year-old and a three-year-old, and she has teenage grandkids. So I asked her to talk a little bit about what it's like parenting adult children. What's hard? What are the best parts? Probably the hardest thing with adult children is that I don't see them as much as I want to or hear from them as much as I would love to. And The thing is, once a mother, always a mother. It nothing changes there. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, but with adult children, the control shifts, and so basically, you know what they want you to know about their lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. True. You, so, you're not. You don't have an all access pass anymore. Right. Exactly. And so, but I'm constantly learning lessons about that. A few years ago, there was a situation with one of them that I wanted a friend to pray about. And when I told this child that I had shared this information, my child said, you know, that's my story. Hmm. And so I wish you hadn't, I wish you had let me tell that person. Hmm. So I immediately apologized because I thought, yes, although as a mother, anything that's your story is my story too. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. say that, right. but, but that's <laughs> what that's, you what, feel. that's what I feel, mm-hmm. and that's what I know. There's no part of my children's stories that isn't somehow. I mean, it's it's mine too. It's, yeah, it's part of who I am too, and so. But that was a good lesson for me, yeah. and. So now I'm I'm more careful about getting permission before. I, yeah. And you know, even even something as everyday as my daughter's she has this cookie business and a lot of my friends will ask me something about, you know, a cookie order or something and I say, "You know what? Please call her." Yeah. Because I really try to stay out of her business, right. her her cookie business. I plus I also don't want to be her manager, but, right. <laughs> but I'm just try, really trying to just try to respect that they Boundaries. are, yep. yes, that, all that. And yeah, but one of the biggest blessings of having adult children is, and, and I don't, if I say this, I don't want to make you sad, but I knew that being a grandmother would be delightful and wonderful and I couldn't wait. Yeah. But what I didn't know was the joy of getting to see your daughter be a parent. Oh, yeah, that is sweet. I did not know. I just didn't think about that part of it. I thought it was all about me and getting to be a grandmother. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Just to stand back and to, to watch her, uh, her children are grown now. They're, the grandchildren are 20, 17, and 15. Yeah. And to see what a wonderful parent she is and to see how wise she is and all of that is just, I'm just constantly amazed. And I, in fact, I told her one time years ago, I wish I'd known you 
when I was raising you. (laughs) He could have helped me raise you. (laughs) That is so sweet. Oh, that is sweet. And you're sweet for even, I mean, just to have the wherewithal to know that that could be hard for me to hear. But it's not because I just, I know that's how my mom would feel, you know. And I have no idea what heaven is like or whatever. But, you know, maybe she does get to see or maybe she just knows, you know. Oh, yes, of (laughs) course. For sure. And then you have that to look forward to in a few decades. That's right. I cannot even imagine. I can't even imagine. Okay, so any other parenting wisdom you wish you would have maybe known along the way? Well, I had the blessing of, as I've said, a wonderful mom who was a great mentor. And I had a very wonderful mother-in-law who loved me and she was just gracious and kind. And I have always looked for older women mentors. And so I would just encourage your listeners to seek out mentors who can love your children and advise you or listen to you or give you a break or, I mean, all of that was poured on me as a young mom. Mm -hmm. And I just always loved hearing from an older woman who, you know, like my age, I can look back and see all the things I did wrong and, you know, (laughs) are are not wrong, but could have done better. Mm -hmm. You know, I could have been more attentive to this or wiser about this. And, but, you know, you're just so caught up and busy with all the stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't always make the wisest choices or know how to handle a certain situation. Well, you know, that blog post you you read kind of talks about one of those situations where I was like, I don't know, this kid is too smart for me. I can't (laughs) even answer his question. Yeah, right. (laughs) But um, I would just say, just really enjoy every minute because every minute matters. Hmm. You know, the time I've had since I had cancer. You know, I just don't want to waste a day. Yeah. I really don't. And I think just be alert to opportunities to be mentored by others or to to share what you know with other moms. Yeah, that's great. And that actually segues great into the last thing I wanted to ask you about and hear about was when you served as a mentor, I guess it was a few years ago with Laura Bush's Women's International Initiative. Did I say that Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what you did? Sure. Uh, it's it's really a wonderful program. Uh, Mrs. Bush really works hard to encourage women in developing countries, particularly the Middle East. She has a heart for the Middle East and she loves encouraging women and giving them opportunities to grow and to be leaders in their own countries. And So what they do is they select a country in the Middle East. The year that I did it, the country was Egypt. And they select, I think it's about 20 women in various professions. And then they pair up each Egyptian woman with an American woman in the same profession. And you spend a year mentoring a woman from another country. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a rich experience. Just loved every minute of it. And we worked really hard on her project. And uh, she spent time with my family. But unfortunately, she was killed Mm -hmm. halfway through the year, about six months into our work together. 
It's very, very sad. But I went ahead and finished her project for her. It's a, a children's book. And I wrote that book and they translated it into Arabic. Are you able to tell us what it was about, what her program she was working on was for? Well, since, yes, since I'm in the publishing world, she wanted to write books for women in her country to help encourage them, equip them to fight some of the sexual abuses and harassment, Mm. like female genital mutilation, if you've read about that. Mm -hmm. It's very, very prevalent there, and it's just a horrible, it's a horrible thing. And, And she wanted to to write books. And then also to extend that, she wanted to have conferences and she had big, big ideas and they were all very doable. Yeah. I had so much hope in her and she had so much promise, but I'm just, you know, sorry that we didn't get to finish together and that she didn't live to continue that on. Right. Right. But that is so neat that you got to do that. What a cool opportunity. Such a blessing. Yeah. Well, okay, so since we only have a few more minutes, my last question that I ask every guest is if you could go back in time five or 10 years and you can, since you're my first guest in her 70s, you could go for, <laughs> you could go further back if you want to and tell yourself, basically go back in time and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? I think I would probably tell myself what it took me a little while to figure out when I came out of the cancer period. Mm. And I was thinking a lot about, you know, this home stretch and mm. uh, this last quarter. And I would probably say, you know what, be alert. Mm. Because what I've learned in the last probably couple of decades is that there are many opportunities to love other people and help other people in small ways and big ways. And what I believe is that people come into our lives on purpose. Mm. And I'm not sure that before all of that, I was really alert to that, but now I am. And I'm more, I guess, accepting, you know, instead of just staying in my own lane with the people right near me, yeah. You know, I I just want to be useful in a lot of ways and to a lot of people. So yeah. you want to give your life away to people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Yep. And I can see, I mean, that that's what you're doing. It's really encouraging. I wish I had so much more time because I'm like, oh, you have so much. But you know what? Guess what? We're cousins, so I can talk to you anytime. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad we got to. Me Catch too. Up a little bit. Me too. And we never even talked about what it's like working for famous person, <laughs> Max Licato. <laughs> well, but that's really cool. That's so cool. He's pretty sweet. Yeah. Call him brother boss because he's not very bossy. He's <laughs> that's the best kind of boss. <laughs> he's more like he's more like a brother. That's great. He's uh, if you've read his books, you basically know him. He's very kind. Right. I grew up. I grew up with his books all over the, you know, in our bathrooms and Uh all of that. So we've known who he is for a long time. And it's also, I mean, says a lot about you that you've been working for him for so long. I mean, longevity and working relationships these days are kind of hard to find. So that's Mm. pretty cool. Well, he puts up with a lot of mistakes. (laughs) 
Well, I told you guys at the beginning of the show that I have a surprise guest, and it just so happens to be this brother boss of Karen's. Max Licato was kind enough to offer some words about Karen as well to help us honor her and her story up to this point. So instead of me ending with my sign-off and my thank yous, I'm going to do that first and let us end the show with some words from Max Licato. Everything we talked about today is up on headedsomeplace.com, including the extra Q&A with Karen, like the music she's listening to and loving right now, and the most influential book she's ever read. You'll also be able to contact Karen or myself right from headedsomeplace.com. Special thanks today for music from thelightparademusic.com and Frontline Music produced by Dustin Ragland. Thank you for listening, and I hope today you feel a little less alone and a little more encouraged. The list of characteristics that I admire in Karen Hill is too long for any single message, but there is one that continually surfaces to the top. Karen sees every problem as an opportunity for God to do something great. She has faced many challenges in her life, but has always done so with faith and hope. She sees that problems are God's way of shaping our hearts and displaying His ability. She is strong, not because of the fact that she has no challenges in life, but that she allows those challenges to shape her and to make her into a stronger person. In my life, she has been loyal, constructive, faithful, a source of sound advice, and a very dear friend. It is an honor for me to know Karen Hill.